Hi, welcome to PFQ Learning Outcome 5, and in this session we're going to look at scope management. So in part one of this learning out, uh, objective, we're going to have a look at the term scope management. We're going to look at how scope management differs between the iterative and the linear life cycle. We're going to look at uh, two specific techniques for developing the scope, namely the product breakdown structure and the, and the work breakdown structure. And we're going to look at the cost breakdown structure. And we're going to look at how the organizational breakdown structure uh, is used to create something called a responsibility assignment matrix. A lot of breakdown structures here to get through. So scope management then. So scope management is a process. And it's a, it's a process whereby we identify, define and control the outputs, the outcomes and the benefits in a project. So if we think about the outputs, these are the deliverables of the project. These are the products that the project produces. If we think about the outcomes, these, this is the capability that we have once we've got those outputs ready for use. So let's say we're building a, um, a ship, uh, a passenger ship, and we build the ship and we sail it out of the dockyard and there's our output. But then we make sure the ship has got fuel in it, we've got trained staff on board, we've got a plan of where we want to go, the ship's there waiting. We've now got an outcome, we've got the capability to take people on holiday. And then people book their crews and off we go and we start to then make money to give a return on investment, thus the benefits. Um, Important to define the scope at the beginning of a project because if we don't define the scope, we have no idea what we're doing. Also, if we don't define and control the scope, we end up with a project that the scope just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get scope creep, which causes the project to overrun, uh, the stakeholders to be uh, not so happy with us, and the cost to rise. So we wanna make sure that we understand what the scope is, and we control it through the life of the project. So what are the different approaches then to scope management between the iterative life cycle and the linear life cycle? Well, in a linear life cycle, we fix the scope and the quality, and we deliver that as long as it takes, we'll deliver it. And as much as it costs, we'll deliver that. That's the emphasis. And if we want to change it, we go through formal change control. Whereas in the iterative world, we often fix the time and adjust the scope or the quality or the requirements. So that means that we prioritize our requirements. We, we look at some that give us a high return, that are valuable to us and maybe not that expensive to deliver. And there may be other requirements that are fairly expensive and difficult to achieve, but give us lower value. And so what we do is we fix the time and we adjust the scope or the quality or the number of requirements that we meet accordingly. There are a number of tools for developing scope um, and we've got the work breakdown structure and here we've got the product breakdown structure. So the product breakdown structure is a hierarchical diagram that breaks the overall product down into its constituent components. At the lowest level, we could call those items configuration items or individual components. So if the top product was a house, 
then the next layer down could be something like the foundations, the structure, and the furnishings. And then perhaps underneath the, the structure itself, you could have another layer that said the bedroom, the kitchen, the bathroom. And then down below the bathroom, you could have the sink and the taps and the door and the flooring and so on. But we use here uh, nouns, not verbs. These are products which can be described in quality terms. We can define them with acceptance criteria. Um, and it shows the entirety of the products that we're producing, which means that when we look at it, it might be much easier to spot if there's something missing, but also it's a means of gaining agreement from the stakeholders is that is what we're delivering. If it's not on there, we are not delivering it. So it gets a, it's a great tool for getting buy-in, but it's also a great tool for, for developing the scope layer by layer. We can also use the scope for helping us, uh, or this, the product breakdown structure um, view of scope, to help us with our estimating. So we can do the analytical or bottom-up estimating. Likewise, the work breakdown structure shows the project in terms of its activities. So whereas the um, product breakdown structure might have said house, bathroom, sink, then the work breakdown structure would be uh, design the bathroom, um, buy the sink, fit the sink, activities. And often the, the breakdown structures are put together. So with the product breakdown structure at the higher level showing the products and then the, the work uh, breakdown at the lower level, which is more instructional. Uh, and again, this can be used to um, help the teams structure their work. We can group things together and form work packages, which could be handed out as contracts or instructions to teams. But we can also use this as a bottom-up estimating tool to help us understand the amount of effort that goes into the project. Within the Provec um, handbook for this course, um, you will find a scenario. And you might like to do a little bit of practice here and create a work breakdown structure for the scenario. Um, Maybe you could do it on a piece of paper, or one of the ways in a team environment to do this is by use of post-its. And you get somebody as a scribe to write down everything that people are shouting out in terms of the jobs that need to be done in no particular order. And then once you've done that, you start to then put them up into some sort of, not a sequence, but in a, into categories to show uh, the work breakdown structure. And that's a very good team building event. And you also not only get the buy-in of the team, but you also get some great ideas and things that perhaps people haven't thought of. And then of course you take a photograph of it and then you can always draw it up um, using one of the computer tools, uh, issue it to the team. Um, the breakdown structures, the product and the work breakdown structures form the basis for scheduling. So what is on here, and this is very much the what, gets turned into the how and the when and the who and so on. The cost breakdown structure, so we're working our way through these breakdown structures, so we've had a product breakdown structure, a work breakdown structure, now we come to a cost breakdown structure, and this shows a hierarchy of costs, the way the project is broken down into costs, into categories. And these categories normally would align with the organization's budgeting system uh, or, and booking codes and so on there. So these cost centers um, can help us understand where the money is being spent and how we allocate the money. We can also, of course, use this to monitor actual spend. 
So if we've got the budget in each one of these cost centers, we can then say, well, how much money has been spent? We are 50% the way through this particular task, and we've spent 75% of the budget. What does that mean? Very powerful tool. The organization breakdown structure. So this is the last breakdown structure. The organization breakdown structure, uh, we've seen under the organization um, uh, learning objective. Uh, this shows how the team is broken down. So it shows the sponsor, it shows the project manager, it shows the various teams and individuals within the project. So if we take the organization breakdown structure and we combine it with the work breakdown structure, we can create something called the responsibility assignment matrix. So the responsibility assignment matrix is a combination of the work breakdown structure and the organization breakdown structure. So in other words, a list of all the people that we've got available with their known skills and a list of all the jobs that need to be done from the work breakdown structure. And if we put them at 90 degrees to each other, we form the matrix. And at the very top level, we could put simply a tick in certain boxes to say that this person is responsible for this job and that person is responsible for that job. But if we then overlay that um, with another layer of sort of uh, sophistication, if you like, um, we can put the racy code onto this. So instead of putting just a tick to say, well, you'll be doing that job, we can put an R in to say that you are responsible for getting that job done. You, you may not do it yourself, but you are responsible for getting someone to do it. We could put an A in to say who is accountable. Now, our American cousins would say, where does the buck stop? So I might be somebody, a safety coordinator, and I am, I am not only responsible, but I am accountable for the safety of the team. Therefore, I would be accountable for a certain safety task, whereas you might be responsible for doing it because you can delegate responsibility, but you can't delegate accountability. And then we've got C. I mean, obviously you could use a different code, but the RACI code is, is one that is mentioned in the body of knowledge. So the C represents consult. So who do I consult before I do this job? Who needs to be consulted? Um, that may be because they've got information. It may be because they need to know. And then we've got inform which of course is telling them that we're about to do something. So an example might be that we're working on a project and we need to come in at the weekend to finish off some, some urgent jobs. So we'd certainly need to consult HR to make sure that we're not breaking the law by doing excessive hours, but we would need to inform security that we're coming in. So again, a very simple um, example there, but uh, this can be a very powerful little tool at the beginning of a project to start sort of thinking about who does what and who needs to be told. So it kind of combines, if you like, a work allocation plan with a communication management plan. It's a little bit of both, really. We wouldn't use this necessarily on every project, but it is a very powerful tool out of the project manager's toolbox.